Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. Four women born in four different decades on a mission to help you eat right, get strong, and feel confident in your body. We have all struggled with our body image and confidence at some point, which is why we came together to create this podcast, to remind you that no matter how old you are, you can do this. All you need is support and us, your four empowered besties, to help you crush it on your health and fitness journey. Join us each week for an episode packed on not just what to do, but how to actually do it. We share the crap that no one else talks about because you deserve to succeed and we love keeping it real. Whether you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, or beyond, we got you covered. From four badass women to another, know that we love you, we appreciate you, and you deserve to feel good in your body. Now let's dive in. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. I am Marcy. I will be hosting today with my lovely co-hosts, Sarah, Sam, and Kim. The gang is all back, ladies. Sarah hey, is with hey. us again. Hello. How's everyone doing? Give us the updates. Ooh, uh, Sarah, you go first. Who? You. Me. Yeah. Me. Um, so I will say there has been an ever such a slight shift in uh, opening up of travel, but only ever so slight. There apparently is discussions going on that they're going to be opening uh, what they call an air corridor or a travel corridor between London and New York, but there is no definite dates on when that's going to be, but they were saying before the end of the year. So that's That's progress. That's progress. So I'm taking it, I'm celebrating it, and I'm just saying to the universe, yo, get these higher power people talking and sorting sorting the shit out. I was counting my blessings today that he doesn't live somewhere really like obscure because then there would be no chance of this happening. But because the New York and London are two like business hubs, it's got the best chance of opening up first. So, mm-hmm. yay. yay. Well, definitely keep us posted on that. So, fingers crossed for you, my friend. Thank you. you. You are the queen of the patience game, that's for sure. I certainly, I mean, you don't see me raging out in my living room every night like some kind of psycho. That's how. <laughs> <laughs> that's how I'm keeping the patience on. I'm actually not. It's all just show. I'm joking. Yes, no. It's a good. It's a good practice in being patient. I have to say. Yeah. <clears throat> and I think it's just you know when the time does happen, it's going to be that much more magical. Shall we exactly. say? You know, <laughs> all that, all that suspense, and anticipation built up, and mm, can't, wait to, can't wait to hear about it. <laughs> all right, Samantha. What's oh, new? Um, what's new? The leaves are changing here. It's like officially fall. Oh, it is leaf peeping season. It is hiking season. It is beautiful oh. outside. I'm just so happy to be outside where it's, you know, you're, you don't have like sweat dripping down your boobs. And like, <laughs> it's just, it's my favorite. Come to, Cal- <laughs> come to California and you will. But it's like the, it's the best weather, like long sleeve and shorts is my favorite weather. Mm. And um, yeah, the trees are just so beautiful. We went hiking last weekend in the White Mountains and it was unreal. So I'm just over here thriving. Oh, so jealous. We have like no trees turning in California. It was a hundred degrees yesterday in the nineties this week. And I'm really hoping that when I come at the end of October, that it's still going to be like that because the last time I went to Boston in the fall, hoping to see all the colors, I got nothing. Nothing. No. 
Well, I mean, a little, a little bit. To be honest. Yeah. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Um, and Sam, how is the launch of your course going? It's going really well. I have some amazing women inside, um, and it's just going to be a really great way to end 2020. So just helping women heal their relationship with food, lose excess weight, feel confident, just like have the outside match the inside, or just all the things. So I'm just really excited kind of going into the next quarter of the year. Yeah. Amazing. I think they will be very fortunate to have that support going into the holiday season when I know so many people really struggle with their relationship with food. So it's going to be amazing. Yay. Yes. And then Kim, you're back in town after a week away. Yeah. So I had a great week in Tennessee with my family and made our way home Sunday. We had just the highlight of the trip. It was such a crazy moment for me. My kids planned a hike because they wanted, my son is newly into photography and a friend of his told him there's a great place you can hike and then we can take some great pictures. So we planned this in and we got out at some resort is where you start the, is where you start the hike. And I looked around and I was like, this looks familiar. And then I read a sign and it referenced to like, oh, the movie, something or other. And I realized we were at the site of the filming of Dirty Dancing, which is like, Is that not the craziest thing? That is, and my kid, my kids are like, and they're like, oh, I think I've heard of that. And so I start quoting the movie, and like I was like beyond, like I was like screaming, I was so excited. No one, no one was getting it. And then I was like, I really think this is it, guys. And I didn't have confirmation, but like I'm like, I think that's the movie they're referring. That's definitely the, that's definitely the lodge. And so sure enough, there was like a self guided tour. You could go all around and see like Baby's cabin and the the Harvest Ballroom and all the stuff. It was super cool. That is awesome. That's awesome. So what state, what state is that in? It's in Virginia. So in the movie, they're supposed to be in the Catskills of New York, but it was filmed in Virginia. Oh, how interesting. Wow, look at that. Beautiful hike up to the top of this peak, and it was a gorgeous view, and then we did this fun tour, and it was just such a happy, fun surprise. Aw, I love it. And you were telling us before the call that you had some of the best sleep of your life, correct? Which is... Yes. And that's going to be our topic today. So yeah, it was just, um, wow, I did. I had not slept that well in ages. Yeah. You like how I did that? That little lead in? Yeah. (laughs) So sleek. You so sleek. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So yes, as Kim said, the topic of today's podcast is all about sleep, which is so, so important. I know it is like the unsexiest of topics. You're probably yawning right now, but it is important because the quality and the amount of the sleep that you get impacts everything in your life from your overall health to your physique, to just the way that you show up in your relationships. Because if you're tired, you're going to be moody, you're going to be irritable, all of those things. So you got to get that sleep in check to live your best life. So that is what we are going to be talking about today. And I know I struggle with my sleep. I will admit for the past probably six years, it has been elusive for me. No matter what I try, it just seems to be the thing that I can't really figure out, which is super frustrating. But I just want to talk a little bit about the importance of sleep and then, you know, tips for people to get their sleep in check if it is something that they struggle with as well. So Kim, 
I am going to start with you because like me, I know that you really struggle with your sleep. So why don't you talk a little bit about what your experience has been and then what you have been doing to try to remedy that. Yeah, sure thing. You know, Marcy, I was thinking when you said like, oh, this is such a boring topic. You know what? Anybody who's struggling with sleep is probably not even this. They're like, oh yeah, talk about that. <laughs> but it's, it's not like, fat, like what fat burning supplement can I use, you know, to get up the last five pounds. So. Yeah. so to me, I'm always fascinated when people are talking about sleep because it has been such an ongoing struggle for me. My, my, I had not really had sleep problems before, you know, outside of the normal, like, wow, my kids aren't letting me sleep for many reasons, but actual sleep for me has been going well for most of my life until I started menopause um, last year. And, you know, I've talked about this quite a bit. Uh, my hot flashes were keeping me up. I was up for a solid three months with very, very poor sleep um, until I started hormone replacement therapy. And as many women who are menopausal find, that is um, the key to their sleep returning because it manages their hot flashes, which means they're not waking up anymore. That was my experience. I, a month after I started hormone replacement therapy, I was sleeping normally again, which was, it was just such a blessing. And that normal sleep continued until this summer. So I had a solid year of you know, mostly really good quality sleep when, you know, when I set myself up for it. I had a lot of times where I was being an idiot and, you know, not going to bed and that kind of stuff. So um, when I had my sleep hygiene properly in place, I was sleeping well. And then over the summer, I started having insomnia and it was not hot flash related. It's not like anything in particular woke me up. I would just wake up and be wide awake for no reason. And it was, it's been coming and going. Um, more recently coming than going, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, and on my trip, it, I slept better than I have in ages. The only difference I noticed is that when I was um, there, my mom keeps her windows open a lot. Um, and so we're out in the middle of nowhere. The windows in my bedroom were open and it was raining a lot in the evening. And so I would wake up in the middle of the night and the rain would just lull me back to sleep. So I was still waking, but I was going back to sleep. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And I think that is an important thing to discuss when we get into like best practices for what we call sleep hygiene and how you can set yourself up for a good night's sleep and hopefully, you know, fall asleep quickly and stay asleep throughout the night. So you mentioned insomnia and I'm actually going to provide the listeners with what the literal definition of insomnia is because I just realized this uh, a few weeks back, I was listening to a podcast about sleep. So the technical definition of insomnia is um, difficulty staying asleep, difficulty falling asleep, and then waking up in the morning earlier than desired. And that needs to happen at least three days a week for three weeks in a row. And I was like, oh, so I've had insomnia now for at least six years. <laughs> Wonderful. Wow. You know, um, and I'm sure that many listeners can relate to that. I know my clients especially the ones who are in, yeah, I would say their forties kind of going through menopause and all of that are really struggling with their sleep right now. And sometimes it's like, you know, no matter what you do, it still is an issue. And if that's the case, you may need to seek out some medical support or like in Kim's case, hormonal interventions, if that is the cause, but we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about what could be contributing to poor sleep or insomnia, you know, so you can get your ducks in a row before you go down that other path. So thank you for sharing, Kim. 
Um, Sam, let's hear from you. What has been your experience with sleep? Yeah, um, I have been fortunate enough to be one of the world's deepest sleepers um, to a fault that like I have been probably chronically exhausted my whole life from like always going, 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 doing, doing, doing. And so when I fall asleep, it feels like I just died. It's very intense. And I've often slept through fire alarms and all my like phone alarms, Ikea annoying alarm clocks. It's very, very deep. Um, but my relationship with sleep has, has definitely not always been amazing in that I used to tell myself that I could survive on like four to five hours. I was like, oh, I'm just like one of those people that like just doesn't need that much sleep. And I told myself that story for a long time especially in architecture school and once I graduated and once I got into the like corporate world I just didn't sleep I was like I can sleep when I die that was my mantra (laughs) and that's not how I live anymore I am like I would rather do less work get less done during the day just so I can have my sleep because I know how much it affects me and I I tell myself I'm a great sleeper so that I am a great sleeper. And I, I've used that method with, I know we're not going to go into this right now, but I totally have worked on my relationship to sleep and reminding myself of what happens when I don't sleep eight hours. And often it's usually I need nine. Um, and it's, it's, it's a mess. I'm, I'm psycho. Like I go crazy. I have cravings. I'm moody. I, my hunger is out of control. Like So I just know that it does not set me up for success. So I have to be super, super mindful if I don't sleep at least eight hours um, because Mm -hmm. I can go off the rails. Yeah, and I think that I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that because we live in this culture where go, 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 do, do, do is the norm. It feels like that is what is almost expected of us. And we always have to be keeping up with other people. We have to be you know, hustling and doing all the things in order to feel like we are productive or worthy or whatever the case may be. And I think that what happens is sleep gets put on the back burner, either because you are, you know, you're going to sleep too late trying to get things done, or you're having to wake up really early in the morning. You know, if you have a family, like get the kids ready, go to work, all of that. Um, And so your sleep really gets compromised. And then if you add a layer to that, which for some people like myself, like Kim is, I I also have broken sleep where I don't sleep well through the night, then it just gets even more exasperated. So yeah, I think it's just something to really be mindful of and know, and really like be honest with yourself. Like if I do not get enough sleep, how do I feel? Maybe you need to keep some sort of a a sleep log. And this is what I do with my clients who have some issues with sleep is let's track how many hours you are sleeping. And all of my clients have a spreadsheet where I can see how many hours of sleep they got. And then if you are not getting enough, how is that playing into your life? You know, with your hunger, your energy, your cravings, again, your mood, your recovery, all of that, because your sleep is at the cornerstone of everything else. Like it has a downstream effect on the other things in your life and you know, the changes that you want to make, the people who we are listening to, whether that's you know your health, your physique, your fitness, whatever. Yeah. Marcy, what you just said is like, it's almost like, I'm sure that people have heard this analogy before, but 
in case you forgot. It's like you spend, like everything is made of energy, right? Like everything that you do during the day requires energy decisions. If you're eating, you're taking in energy. If you're sleeping, you're getting replenished with energy. But it's like, if you don't get the adequate amount of sleep, it's like plugging in your iPhone and taking it off the charger when it's at like 75% and expecting it to last the whole day. It's mm-hmm. not. And then when you get to the end of the day, you have no willpower and no energy. And that's when you go off the rails. And that's exactly because you are low on energy. Like you don't have the yeah. mental capacity to make a decision that's actually moving you forward because you didn't sleep. So like I've actually shifted way more into focusing on like, okay, people, let's get some rest first. And I think a lot of my clients are like, well, like what about doing the things? I'm like, well, we're going to do them. Don't worry. But like, you need to sleep first because that's mm-hmm. the foundation for making decisions that are actually going to move you ahead. Exactly. It's going to be way harder to do the things that you want to do that you need to do to move you forward. If you're sleeping like shit, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Like, and, and I, <laughs> and I love that analogy, the battery analogy. And, you know, similarly to that, because you use the word willpower and so many people who are struggling, they think it's because they don't have enough willpower. And that is a very fixed mindset. Willpower is changeable. So you can essentially build it just like a muscle over time. But to your point, Sam, it does require energy and everything that we do throughout the day slowly diminishes that willpower battery. And oftentimes because we're so busy, because we're so overwhelmed, we are not recharging the battery throughout the day as well. Like I am someone whose iPhone is perpetually almost dead. And so I'm like constantly having to plug it in numerous times throughout the day, but you can liken that to, okay, I need to take breaks throughout my day. I need to go for a walk. I need to do some deep breathing. I need to do a few minutes of meditation, get outside to continue recharging that battery. But if that battery is on 10% from the minute you wake up because you haven't slept, then you're really never going to catch up. That makes yeah. sense. It's like that chronic exhaustion that I'm sure a lot yeah. of like moms experience, right? It's like, you're just constantly tired. Like you're never, it feels like you're never mm-hmm. going to feel rested. And that's probably true for a little while, but it's right. like, what, what can you do? Like you can probably get an extra 30 minutes of sleep if you just get off your phone. Mm-hmm. Well, and to that point, what do we do when we feel chronically exhausted? We drink more coffee. We try to rely on caffeine, which can also have an impact on sleep. If you are drinking too much, you're drinking it too late in the day. So that's going to increase cortisol. That's going to keep you up at night. And then if you are exhausted and you're stressed out, what do most people do at night to wind down thinking that it's going to help them sleep? Oh, let's crack open the bottle of wine and have a few glasses and alcohol will impact your sleep. So yes, it can help you fall asleep, but after a couple of hours when that alcohol has worn off, then, you know, certain hormones kick in and they actually wake you up. So now you are not getting that like deep restful, uh, REM sleep. If you'll, I think that's what it is. Yeah. Um, Alcohol, um, suppresses REM. Yeah. You never get to have that really deep quality of sleep. Right. I mean, I remember like when I, when I was in college and I was drunk three nights a week, like I would hit the pillow hard and just be like passed out. But <laughs> same, you know, yeah. Right. And then I was waking up in the middle of the night, like wanting all the food. So 
yeah, and then feeling like shit, feeling groggy and hungover the next day. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's my little, I guess that's my rant. So Sarah, I'll pass it to you. What's your sleep experience? Oh, well, as someone who spent 12 years walking around in a jet lag state, um, right. <laughs> I basically encompassed every single thing that you, you've just said, chronic fatigue, uh, overuse of coffee and alcohol, and um, basically was my life for 12 years because I was working shifts. So I would ha- sometimes have to be up all night and then you know trying to work out when was the best time to sleep so for those 12 years my sleep was literally a mess I was either sleeping like the dead or not sleeping at all and when I was not sleeping at all I was using coffee to keep myself awake and to say that I walked around in a kind of haze would be an understatement um, I would, you know, do car journeys where I wouldn't even remember that I'd driven from point A to point B. Oh my so, God, that's so scary. Yeah. So seriously, like not, not getting enough sleep, um, you actually don't realize. So what Marcy, you were saying about is pay attention to, you know, how it impacts you when you're in that kind of chronic fatigue state and, you know, for, you know, jet lag for me you actually think that's your reality and that's your normal, that's how norm, feeling normal feels because you know no different because you've been doing it for so long. And it's only when you take a step back and I would get brief glimpses of that maybe when I had like a few weeks away from, you know, working, flying, you know, to long haul. Um, but then it would soon, as soon as I went back to work, I would just get absorbed back into the, the same pattern. So when I actually left the airline industry, it took me, it took me quite a while to really sort my sleep shit out. Um, it took me a long time to work out what was my sleeping pattern, how much did I actually need? Um, and I mean, now I'm, I'd say I'm, I'm a, most of the time a pretty good sleeper. I have to kind of around my cycle. Um, I noticed that my sleep can go a little bit haywire for a few days and obviously I'm you know beginning I'm perimenopause so I'm fully expecting that quite likely things are going to start shifting more um, so I look forward to the <laughs> insomnia and hot night hot night flashes if they are coming they are coming my way um, but yeah so for years it was bad and now it's pretty reasonable is basically my sleep sleep journey Mm. Well, very happy to hear that that is better because, yeah, someone who doesn't sleep, I know just the negative consequences that it has on the rest of your life and just how you feel like a new freaking person when you do actually get enough sleep. It is, it really is the game changer for sure. So let's talk a little bit about the negative consequences, like I said, of what not getting enough sleep is. And in this case, I'm going to say, you know, seven to nine hours would be the, like the magic dose, the kind of sweet spot. I do know some people can get away with closer to six to seven hours. And I think it is a know thyself situation. So if you feel like you function pretty well on, you know, six and a half, seven hours, then maybe that's fine. But I think any less than that, and you are setting yourself up for not only negative health consequences, but just for kind of like Sarah was saying, you know, walking around in this just slumber-like state and not even realizing 
how good you are meant to feel. And I think that's what a lot of people experience is they go through life, they felt this way for so long, they don't understand what it actually feels like to feel good, right? That's just kind of their new normal, which is not okay. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about, yeah, the negative effects of not getting enough sleep. So Sam, what are some of the things that you've noticed? Um, for me, it's like moodiness, um, crazy hunger, cravings for like hyper palatable foods, like chocolate covered pretzels, which I don't even have here, but you know, like that's like the type of thing I want. Um, definitely low energy. I'm not productive. I procrastinate. Um, I just like am not fun to be around. Like I'm probably still fun to be around, but I'm not as fun. <laughs> um, and I just, I can't do the things I need to do because my head feels heavy. Like my eyes feel heavy. Um, and then I procrastinate by eating because I have cravings and then that just backfires. <laughs> so mm-hmm. the vicious it's cycle. Good. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's just not good. Absolutely. Yeah. Kim, what about you? And then, you know, you guys can also talk about experiences with your clients, what you notice when they don't get enough sleep. Yeah. So all the things Sam mentioned for sure, those, you know, cravings, you know, for me personally, the sense of just being in a foggy state, like I'm not quite, like I'm not quite sharp, you know, and I can really sense that on times when I specifically on times when I've gone pretty long stretches without good sleep, um, that I just have this like I'm just not quite not quite sharp as a tack anymore um, feeling. Um, all those things, the, the cravings and not wanting to move. I do think it's important to point out to people that lack of sleep does not inherently equal your weight loss stops. You know, people hear a lot about the the importance of sleep as it um, impacts weight loss and it does impact it, but it's not a direct connection. It's not like you don't sleep, therefore you can't lose weight. It doesn't work like that. But the things that Sam mentioned are the ways, those are the mechanisms by which our weight loss is hampered. We have cravings. We want hyperpalatable food. We're not moving as much. And so these all affect one or the other or both sides of the the energy balance equation. I think it's super important for people to wrap their brains around that, to know that they still have choices. Um, if they are, to look, young moms, um, people in menopause. I have clients who I've worked with who for years have had poor sleep due to insomnia. And we worked through the boxes of like, okay, what can we do about sleep hygiene? What can you do with your doctor like medically and supplement wise? And sometimes sleep just isn't gonna come. And it's important for them to know that they still have choice and power towards their weight loss journey. So that is important to know, but it can hamper it for sure. Mm-hmm. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and the other thing too, is the increase in cortisol that will happen when you don't sleep for, I mean, you know, one night possibly is going to increase it a little bit when, but when cortisol is constantly elevated, that can also lead to water retention. So you may be seeing that effect on the scale. And I actually did a post about this the other day where a lot of people, I think they give up on their goals right before they start to see results because they can't actually see some of the changes that may be happening internally, or they might be, you know, building some muscle, losing some fat. They don't see the number on the scale shifting. Um, and then they give up thinking that it doesn't work. Well, the scale, obviously we know 
can be very fickle. And if you are not getting enough sleep, if you are really stressed and that cortisol is elevated, then you might be just holding on to water. And even though you are losing fat, if you are holding on to water, that is going to be reflected on the scale and you may not think that you are making progress. Um, so that's one thing to consider. And then increased cortisol is also going to lead to more hunger, cravings, all of that. So again, interconnected. Yeah, very yeah. Uh, Sarah, what about you? Um, so I would say both for myself and also my clients, if there's going to be times when our shit talking ourselves goes through the roof, it's going to be when we are tired. Um, mm -hmm. I know definitely for myself, um, I notice my head voice, my negative, negative Nancy head voice, inner critic, self-doubt, all of the things go on like high volume on the days when I haven't had enough sleep and it's very difficult to actually get a hold of it and kind of just turn the volume down on the stuff that you don't need to be focusing on. Um, so you can then end up in a, a negative downward spiral. Um, so I always tend to end up when I'm tired, having to do more kind of like, um, active mind management and brain dumping onto bits of paper when I can hear that something's like kicking off inside of my head just to try and get a hold on you know not not wanting to go completely off the rails or sitting down in front of the freezer and eating whatever is in there whatever it is bag of frozen peas ice cream whatever whatever falls out at me out at me first so um yeah that's kind of where my my tendencies tend to go when I've not had enough sleep and just not been able to make decisions like mm. procrastination to the absolute max oh, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. yeah and you know both of us or all of us excuse me we are we're creators in a sense so we are creating content we are recording podcasts writing captions you know having to communicate with our clients and if you are living in this brain foggy state, it can be very difficult to even be articulate or, I mean, I know if I haven't had a good night's sleep and I'm trying to write a post, it'll take me three times longer just because I can't get my words together, you know? <laughs> so yeah, you know, productivity, uh, that's another component too. For me, I'm going to talk about a couple of points. One is recovery. So actually being able to recover from your workouts and then the performance that comes on the other end of that. So I've talked about my experience at this powerlifting gym that I went to a couple of years ago, and I have never trained as hard or as heavy in my life. And it was kind of at the height of my insomnia. And I, I needed to be recovered for those workouts and I needed to perform well or else like <laughs> I was, um, scolded, so to speak, for lack of a better word. And yeah, so there would be nights when I was rolling in there on four hours of sleep, not recovered, and then just performing like absolute shit because of it. So that is something to consider. Like if your workouts are really important to you and you want to make progress towards your physique, building muscle, um, you need to be recovering. And the number one way you recover is getting enough sleep. And then that just brought me to something else. There has been an actual study done about fat loss and they took two groups of people and one group slept more than seven hours a night. The next group slept, I think it was 5.5 hours a night. And the group that slept less actually they, they both lost the same amount of body fat, but the group who slept less lost more lean muscle mass. So they actually lost more muscle than the group who had slept more, which is also 
really important to consider because if you don't want to end up with that skinny fat look, then you want to be preserving as much muscle as possible. Yeah. So, and then the one last thing that I will mention about, you know, your overall health and the reason why sleep is like a huge why for me or like the why behind why I want to get enough sleep is because I have what's called the APOE4 gene, which is, it basically makes you more predisposed to Alzheimer's disease. Alzheimer's runs in my family. And that is something that scares the shit out of me. And sleep is when basically like our brain is getting cleaned out. It's regenerating. It's kind of like going through a recovery and detox process. So if you're not sleeping, you can also be, uh, you can set yourself up for, yeah, issues like that have to do with your brain health, which can be really scary as well. So, so many reasons why sleep is important. Mm -hmm. Now, I think we need to talk real quick about sleep hygiene and give the listeners some takeaways for what they can do to make sure that they are getting enough sleep. So Sarah, I'll start with you this time. Um, so two things I would get consistent with your bedtime and your bedtime routine. Um, so try and kind of have it around about the same, the same time every evening. If you struggle with that in the beginning, my advice would be to set some like alarms for yourself to say, you know, 45 minutes before you're due to go to bed, you turn all of your equipment, except, you know, TV and everything off and just have some time not stimulating your mind with social media or, you know, news or whatever it is you're getting up to, like in those hours running up to bedtime, even maybe consider just having some seated quiet time and and then something that changed the game for me with my sleep was um wearing a sleep mask it literally changed my life when I started doing that so those have been my two things to love offer. the sleep mask love the sleep mask Kimmy I'm just very interested about the sleep mask thing I've never tried that Sarah what does that help with morning light Kim oh my god this could like change your life I'm not even being dramatic so I need a sleep mask yeah for me what I was noticing when I don't sleep with a, an eye mask on, I find it more difficult to drop into that relaxed state because my eyes are almost kind of aware of the room. So by putting the sleep mask on, it just kind of helps my eyes relax. So it, it just literally helps me to turn off quicker. It's not even really about the morning morning light. It's more about what it does when you actually get into bed. And it kind of, kind of makes you feel... Um, like almost in a, this is probably just me, just in a kind of little more of a bubble and more like, okay, I'm, I'm here and this is the time to sleep. So get it a go, my God. Yeah, right. and I agree. I agree with the bubble, Sarah. That's a good analogy. And ah. for me, it's, uh, it is the morning light because so much light comes in. And if you don't want to wear a sleep mask because they can, I mean, depending on which one you get, they can be a little bit uncomfortable. And I know some people are weird about sleeping with things on their face. <laughs> um, it was a little bit of an adjustment for me to get used to. If you don't want to use a sleep mask, the next best thing is to get blackout curtains so that no light comes in. And then if you have anything digital that emits light, turn that off, turn it around, cover it with something. So maybe that's a clock that's digital. Like any light can be disruptive to your sleep. Mm. Sam? <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so I have really clear phone boundaries with myself, so I don't go on social after 9pm or before 9am. So that's something that really helps me just because like I'm not on my phone. Um, and I make all my clients do that too, because that's usually what gets them into trouble. Um, and so then after that, I either um, I'll like just get into bed or I'll just hang out. But the goal is to like get myself into that mode of chilling. Um, so like I have a tea ritual and then I get into bed and sometimes I just like lay in bed with, I have this little like glass ball with um, like little Christmas lights in it. And I just kind of like lay in my room and just get ready to go to bed, but I don't go to bed. And I'll put on like an insight timer meditation or some music or Kurt and I will just talk or whatever, but it's more like, how do I slow down? Because I have a fast pace naturally. And so sometimes like if I don't prepare myself to slow down, then I will end up in bed with like a million thoughts in my mind. And I'll be like, Ooh, this idea. Ooh, this, Ooh, I got to do this. Ooh, I got to do this. So I, I have to like basically train myself to like put the brakes on slow down ease into the evening and that always really really helps me um and yeah I take sleepy time tea which is really nice um and I also take magnesium which is really I think helpful with sleep Damn, I just I just bought that this week yeah the I'm tea start- or magnesium no the magnesium um yeah. Uh, my friend who is, runs the menopause clinic up at uh, Brigham and Women's, she did a podcast about sleep and menopause. And as she was going through the items, one of the things she suggested is to try magnesium at bedtime. So yeah. I just got it. Took it for about the like last 80, night. Oh, that's amazing. You have to keep us posted. Yeah. I think like 85% of people are deficient in magnesium. So mm-hmm. um, you can get tested for it, but like chances are you are deficient. So I take I take it every night. And, um, I don't know that I notice a huge difference, but my sleep is so good and I, I've never had a problem with my sleep, but I do think that it's just because I, I prioritize it so much. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. What about you, Kim? I will wait on getting the eye mask for about four weeks now and I'm going to try just the magnesium and I'm going to see if anything improves. So I'll be a little scientific here and making just one shift and see if uh, my insomnia improves with, uh, with the magnesium. Ooh, love that. Let us know. Now, that's my next step. Yeah. So everything that everybody has said is so far is the stuff I work on with clients, you know, getting your sleep hygiene. What is your nighttime routine? What you know, electronics is the big one for so many of us. What are you doing with your electronics? Where are they? Are you laying in bed watching TikTok for hours before you fall asleep? Um, those kinds of things. Um, the next most important thing specifically for women in my age group really is to reach out to your doctor if you're struggling to see, I mean, specifically if you're, if you're struggling with hot flashes, it is not something you have to struggle with. You know, it, um, your sleep is important and it is, it is not something you have. And a lot of people are too afraid to take hormone replacement therapy because of the poor reporting um, on it. And, you know, people think that it is associated with cancer and all of these things, which is simply not true. Um, and so I would encourage people to look um, for a North American Menopause Society clinician to speak to about that if you're really struggling with, with nighttime waking. Mm-hmm. Very good. 
And I will end it based on what Kim said in the beginning of the episode, how she mentioned that she slept with the windows open. And one thing for good sleep is sleeping in a cool room. I think often we want to be like really warm and cozy when we're asleep. And that's fine if you want to like bundle yourself up under the covers. But sleeping in a room that is around like 65 to 66 degrees can be really helpful. And I know for me, I grew up in a house with no, no air conditioning. I lived in places in college with no air conditioning. And I would just be like dripping in sweat and it would be so hard to fall asleep. But you actually need your body temperature to come down in order to put yourself in that kind of deep sleep state. So that is something really important. And then the other thing I will do, because I often am working into the evening, like eight, nine o'clock at night sometimes. So for me, it's wearing the blue blocker glasses. And this is interesting, which I came across this like little fact a couple of months ago, a lot of us are wearing these blue light blocker glasses during the day. And that is really good for preventing eye strain and all of that. But you actually need the amber tinted ones if you are going to wear them in the evening to help with your sleep because it is blocking other forms of light. I think it's like blue and maybe green light is what it blocks. There's all these like different types of light, which is crazy. So if you are just wearing those clear lens blue light glasses that you would, excuse me, that you would wear during the day, that is not going to have the same impact on the quality of your sleep as if you were to wear the amber tinted ones. So I have a pair called Blue Blocks and they have been amazing. And like when I put those on, I can feel myself starting to get drowsy in probably 10 to 20 minutes. So that is something I've noticed to be really helpful. So I think that is it. We can wrap it up there. I hope these tips were helpful and that it gave you some incentive to, as Sam and I will always say, drink some tea and go the F to bed. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Wait, Marcy, really quick before we end, I also want to just give a book recommendation. Um, this is a book that uh, was super helpful for me. It's called Why We Sleep. Mm. Um, it's by an author named Matthew Walker. Um, and he has like a PhD in like sleep and it's incredible. Um, but he talks all about sleep and how sleep basically undercuts your creativity and problem solving and decision-making and heart and brain and mental health and, and lifespan and all that stuff. So he has a great book, Why We Sleep by Matthew Walker. Damn, you sent me that book a couple of years ago. Do you remember that? Yes, because, because I was like, I, I was staying up all night long. <laughs> You're like, I'm just working 20 hours. And I was like, no, I just work all the time. I have to tell you, I've only read part of it. It's, I'm, it's at the top of my list to start reading after these two books that I'm in the middle of right now. That's next. Hell yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Thanks for that. Okay, ladies. Thank you. And we will see you all on next week's episode. Yay. Love you guys. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. All right. That wraps up another episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. We know that life is crazy and time is precious, and we really do appreciate you spending your time with us. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, review, and rate it on iTunes. Tag us in your stories on Instagram. Send this to your friends. Please, please, please just tell everyone about it. We are determined to have the biggest and the most inclusive community of women sitting at the picnic table together.
We love you, we appreciate you, and we can't wait to hear what you think of this week's episode. Four women, one mission. We are the Decades of Strength. Sam, Marcy, Sarah, and Kim. Catch you right back here for our next episode.